Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful because today, Dr. Mike Lawrence is joining me from the Florida Multifamily Investing Group. And I'm super excited because today's episode is not only action-packed from the multifamily investing side of things in terms of making sure that you amplify, capture the tremendous and perhaps the largest transfer of wealth in the past decade or in the past several decades, but also in terms of how you can expand your mindset and how you can really facilitate your subconscious mind to help you create the life of your dreams and to really create opportunities for other people around you and really expand your lifestyle and your life beyond perhaps what you've ever imagined. So today's show is phenomenal and it's really going to open you up in so many different ways. I have to ask you the question that I always ask, are you ready to take it to another level? I have no doubt we're going to be doing that today. I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. This is for leaders, real estate entrepreneurs, real estate investors, and entrepreneurs who have a burning desire for the extraordinary. Of course, it is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And today, as I mentioned, we are going to distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, and so much more from an unbelievable individual like Dr. Mike Lawrence, so that you can apply these strategies yourself, so that you can really transform your subconscious mind, your identity, and your reality as a result. This is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing, their personal growth, and ultimately, and most importantly, in their lives. If you guys are enjoying what we're doing here on Elevate, I just want to thank you so much. First of all, that that means a lot. I know that we live in a very busy world and there's so many distractions, but to really have the opportunity to, to share with you and to really pour into you is, is something that I'm extremely grateful for. So thank you, first of all, for being here. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time because we want to make sure that we maximize that. If you're enjoying the show, certainly go and, and subscribe to the show, follow us and uh, give us a rating and review so that others can know really what, what we're all about and so that we can continue to attract amazing guests like Dr. Mike Lawrence and so that we can continue to bring you free content just like this, 100% free. As you know, the fee is just to pay this forward and share this with a friend. So with that said, I want to dive in and introduce you to Dr. Mike Lawrence, who was voted top 40 under 40 in the United States for private equity, Florida multifamily investment doc, expert. Dr. Mike Lawrence is an award-winning author, keynote speaker, and investor. Mike is an expert at creating effortless, tax-efficient monthly cash flow for the self-employed through multifamily investing in Florida. He is the co-author of the book entitled Effortless Tax-Efficient Monthly Cash Flow, How to Create Passive Income for Life from Florida Multifamily Investing from Anywhere in the World Without Ever Dealing With or Without Ever Dealing with Tenants, Toilets, or Trash. Mike is the founder and managing partner of Florida Multifamily Group, a multifamily syndication firm that invests only in Central Florida. And you're going to hear about that only today and really what the value is in that. He is the host of the Florida Multifamily Investing Show and the creator of the Florida Multifamily Investor Network. 
Mike is also a former U.S. Marine officer, a disabled veteran, and is active in his church and supporting other disabled vets. Please welcome Mike Lawrence to Elevate Nation. Dr. Mike Lawrence, my friend, how are you? I am phenomenal, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, it was great to meet you just a few weeks ago, have a first conversation on your podcast, which is awesome. And by mm. the way, I'm just so impressed by you. You really bring an energy of presence and organization, thoughtfulness. So I just really appreciate that about you. But I'd love for you, if you could, just to introduce yourself a little bit more sort of behind the bio, as well as if someone really knew you closely and deeply, how would they describe you to other people? That's a great question. Setting the guest up for their background and describing somebody that's personal to them is actually a much more intimate way to tell a story. So my story starts back in Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, in a little town called Newville. No listener in this show has ever heard of it. It's got about 800 people in it. And for the first time, they got a traffic light about five years ago. And it's a little farming community. And I was raised on a dairy farm in Pennsylvania. We did not have a lot of money, so we didn't travel anywhere. And I went into my senior year in high school and I said to the guidance counselor, I said, man, lady, I need a job where I get to travel. Can you go into your computer, spit me out a list and give me all the jobs where I get paid to travel? And she says, well, we got the four best opportunities for you. You ready? U.S. Army, U.S. Navy, U.S. Marine Corps, U.S. Air Force. Wow. I said, where do I sign? Let's do it. <laughs> so I enlisted in Marine Corps when I was 18 to get off the dairy farm. And it was a great experience for me because it really taught, it gave me a confidence, number one. It gave me confidence in leadership. It gave me confidence that I could do things that I never thought I could do. I went all around the world and got my money's worth. And really, it was such a transformational experience, literally transformational in so much as it physically rewired the way I thought, the way I acted, what I ate how I spoke, how I exercised. And it was really, really probably one of the best decisions I ever made. And at the time they had a program back then where <clears throat> they would take the top two or 3% of young enlisted kids and let them apply for a full scholarship to go to college. And the Marine Corps has the highest percentage of prior enlisted Marines. They get commissioned as, as officers. It's called a Mustang in parlance. And so I got picked up for this program, went to uh, school, got a mechanical engineering degree on the Marine Corps dime. And I had to go pay back that education for four years as a lieutenant, young captain, did a couple deployments. I went all over the world, got out. And I really, really, really thought about I was going to be an entrepreneur. And so I started a business. It failed. <laughs> started another business. It failed. Okay. So you've seen a little pattern here. Mm -hmm. And one of the main reasons why I had to endure two sucking chest wound failures is because I didn't really have the right mindset on what it took to succeed. I was raised in a scarcity mindset where there's only so much pie, you better get yours before everybody else gets theirs. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and that wasn't helpful. And so company number three was a success and company number four is a grand slam. Along the way, I uh, got involved in mergers and acquisitions, investment banking, deal making. So I got access to some really mega, mega large transactions on how that works, how they negotiated. What is a guy that's getting ready to make $800 million? What is his mindset? How does he think? What does he act like? Which by the way, not all them are really fun people to be around depending on who you talk to. And, and, how, and, and how did it get to that point? Like, that's interesting. And I was mentored by a guy who 
paid for a graduate business school for me. He was a phenomenally successful entrepreneur, had bought and sold many companies. And uh, his name is Frank Genovese. And I am indebted to Frank because he really taught me a lot of stuff that I now use in multifamily that I didn't really know that I knew until he really taught me these things. And so if you knew me personally and you spent time with me, you would know that education is important. My wife and I are devout Christians. Our church, we're involved in our church. Exercise is important. I have a very very specific routine that I go through. Some might call me overly routine. These are, these are kind of, and we, we live here in Florida full time for the most, we do have a second place up in Connecticut. So we do go back and forth, but we're here for the most part in, in Florida. And, you know, we're just, after we sold that last business in 2018, we put all the money uh, now into multifamily and we uh, decided to pick up and move. So I think that's maybe something we want to talk about here in the show is just the decision process about that. Why? A lot of, not a lot of people do that. What is, what are the results that you can get from, from thinking about doing that? Yeah. And Mike, that's so good, man. Your, your story is really inspiring and I loved where you started. And, and by the way, my kind of lineage is from dairy farmers as well. So I can, I can respect that and I can appreciate that. And I love just the question that you really started off with is like, how can I, how can I travel? And that took you down this path and really kind of down the trajectory. I mean, just rehashing some of the stuff that you just said about two failed businesses. And the reason why was because of that mindset, that scarcity mindset. And I think that's something that a lot of the listeners can understand or have a perspective on because that's almost like the conventional thinking. It's like, you've got to get yours before anybody else can win. Or, you know, if you don't get yours, then you'll never get it. If you give first, you may never receive. And so where did that come from? Was that, were you ever able to kind of go back and take an inventory of that thought process? I do know where it came from. I had a couple mentors as I was going through graduate business school. These were guys that were at the top of their game. They were worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They were ultra successful. And the last thing they needed to do was spend a couple hours with a kid like me, who's 27, who didn't know anything about business. And I used to listen to Brian Tracy's psychology of selling program on repeat. And there's this part in that program where he kind of talks about the nicest, like the most successful people you meet that are at the top of the organizations. They're like the nicest people. They're like, most mm -hmm. of them are like really heart driven. They want to help you people. Cause why? Cause that's how they got there. Mm -hmm. And so I started really thinking about this and I had some people that really helped me and mentored me and took me under their wing. And it really started making a difference on me, like on my life, my personal life, my, my professional life. And then there's a book, you probably read it called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. It's a great book. It really sort of systematized in a story-driven novel form how you might think about it. Now, there's another piece to this puzzle and I'll quickly just mention it. So in the Bible, it says it's better to give than receive. Well, actually, when you unpack that, you can restate it as it is better for the giver to give it than for the receiver to receive it. In other mm -hmm. words, you, you actually benefit more on the giving side than the receiver benefits on the receiving side. So that's the irony of it. And so when you start really opening your mind to this, you can't give this stuff away fast enough. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. And, and shout out to Bog Berg, who's a former Elevate guest himself, a great individual. If you haven't listened to that episode, we'll put a link in the show notes of how you can easily find that. But, you know, it's such a great lesson for us to all open our minds to and really open our life to and our businesses to because that level of abundance is so powerful. 
So just curious, Mike, what were those two businesses that did not work out? And then obviously <laughs> you've, you've pivoted in a massive way and we'll get to that, but what were those businesses? Just curious. Sure. No, that's a great question. One. So after, as I was getting out of the Marine Corps, I didn't want to pay for business school. And so I created this system on how to get free money for graduate business school. It became very successful. I made like $300,000 and the cost of education was a hundred thousand. So I had to pay tax on like $200,000 of free money. Cause I was so good at getting all this free money. It was basically a copywriting business that put a system and a machine on how to qualify free money. So I said, well, look, I'm, I did it for me. I'm, I'm sure I can do it for other people and get paid for it. And I tried very hard and it crashed and burned and was undercapitalized and there's a whole lot of reasons for it but it, it's still a good model i just i'm not interested anymore so that sucker was crashing burning the, the carnage is way back there the other business was a business in the high-end retailing space now this is really before amazon really crushed the retailing world but as an athlete and as an, as an exercise enthusiast, it was in that high-end space. And two main reasons for the failure of it. One was it was undercapitalized as well. It's just growth consumes a lot of cash. It, be, it became undercapitalized. And the other one is we just had the wrong team in place. And that was my fault. I, I felt like I knew what I was doing and bringing the right team in. Man, I just made two critical mistakes on hiring and it just, it just killed it. So consequently, my PhD research, you can probably guess, became talent acquisition, which is the science behind hiring, recruiting, and managing top 1% people. So I decided that I wanted to sort of get smart on that and put my money where my mouth was and got a, a doctorate of business degree in that area. That's awesome. Well, you turned that failure into a major gift, obviously, and now it's an expertise. And so I'd love to continue down your trajectory when you think about, obviously, with so much success in, in mergers and acquisitions, and you mentioned even observing folks that were perhaps about to have a windfall of in tremendous proportions in the way that they thought, the way that they acted, the way that they made decisions. Are there any top lessons that you learned from that observation and that experience in your career? They are extremely nonlinear thinkers. The world is conditioned through the school system. The, school, the education system is a product of the Industrial Revolution from the 1850s through the 1920s. So kids are really looked at as raw materials who go through this manufacturing process and come out the other end at 18, and we're taught to conform. We are taught to don't help your neighbor because that's cheating. We are taught this very linear thinking. And so <laughs> to be successful... <laughs> In this space, you kind of have to like throw out away and hit delete and become a very nonlinear thinker. Because at the end of the day, it's hard to see correlation between what you're doing today and where the gold is at the end of the tunnel if there's no immediate payout. And these guys, these gals, these folks were just very, very nonlinear. They would have these, they would make these bets that are pretty amazing. And the other thing is I'll go back to Dan Sullivan published this book called Who Not How. And it's basically the concept of you have to get out of the house and you find the who's and so you can leverage your skill set. In fact, the world is going to a gig economy where W2 employism is really dying and the world is moving more towards this who economy, not a how economy. 
And so they were much better at that than I was. The, the folks that were ultra successful really already knew that, I guess, in a gut level. And they spent the money, the time, even when they didn't have the money <laughs> to bring on and hire or joint venture or partner with the right people. And that was a critical mistake that I made in those first two that, um, that I, I wish I would have avoided. No, that's really powerful. And I love that where you went with that is it's the thinking, it's the level of thinking. It's not about necessarily the action. And of course we've got to take action. We've got to have a team of folks that are taking action to achieve big goals and big dreams and big, big aspirations. But you think about that nonlinear thinking, I mean, it's, it's about having a big thought and an unconventional thought and a willingness to say what the average or the conventional or the, what, what everyone believes is possible is, is really disconnected with perhaps what some people are accomplishing. And so I think that's really powerful. But are there any other patterns that you've observed to sort of the most successful, whether it's mergers and acquisitions that you've seen or, or folks or, or, or leaders in those capacities? Well, I mean, technical skill set is definitely a prerequisite. I mean, you're not going to get drafted in the NFL without having the right technical skill set, running the 40, bench pressing, the, the catching, blocking, and, and tackling. And it's the same way in, in definitely mergers and acquisitions, I would even say multifamily investing, but skill is only going to take you so far. It's a marginal benefit. What happens is if you don't spend hours and hours and hours of beating on that craft over a really long time, that's really where the transformation sort of comes from and human beings were all born with ability but just the massive dedication to the skill set and tenacity everybody talks about it one of my mentors used to say it like this you have to be the junkyard dog chasing the meat truck going down the road and the blood is dripping out the back <laughs> that's, the <way> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that's the way that was the analogy that and it sticks in my mind today because in nonlinear thinking you're just going to have to go through a lot of poop that nobody or almost other few people will endure in order to come out the back end and achieve the result that you're fighting for. So there's that big death valley that, and in today's society, we're so programmed for instant gratification that I think it's becoming a bigger and bigger gap. And so it just makes people like us be much more successful for willing to put the sweat in. And I think the Marine Corps was fundamentally helpful for my thinking in that because you just do a lot of stuff that you probably just wouldn't normally do. And it just, I got what I got good at is I got, I got really good at doing stuff I really didn't want to do. Mm. And it sounds counterintuitive. I got good at doing stuff I didn't want to do. In fact, I got so good at it. I, I came to a point in my life where I figured I have to, I have to unlearn some of that because it's, I'm still doing stuff that I don't want to do. I think I have to do it, but I don't need to do it. And so I think there's this, you, there's a grinding mentality to it. Elon Musk had on YouTube where he says, I worked 80, hundred hours a week, every week, and I never take a week off. And I'm not saying do that, but I am saying that you're going to have to beat on that craft substantially over a long period of time, to be successful. And the people in high finance, the people where there's, where there's hundreds of millions of dollars of money changing hands, they're all like that, that you, you just can't half step because there's, it's too risky. There's too much money on the line. One little sneeze wrong can take a hundred million dollar transaction and make it 80 and 20 million bucks is life is life changing money for people. It's just something to consider. No, that's so good. And I feel like it's, it's like one of those things. It's like the underlying, of course, you've got to sharpen your skills. You've got to acquire better and more skills and obviously do the same for your team and have other people be your who, right? So you don't have to do all the how, mm -hmm. but that tenacity and that grit as you just described is almost, it's like the operating system 
towards long-term major success and really developing big things. But I, I just find it so fascinating to how you applied those experiences, whether it's failure, successes, or otherwise, to what you're doing now. And as you're continuing to grow as a multifamily investor and a syndicator. And so tell us a little bit about your focus now and, and really what, what, what you're up to these days. Yeah, so this was a situation where my wife and I could take a step back and say, okay, if we wanted to create the next reality and we were going to wave our little Tinkerbell wand and say, Shazam, that's what we want. Well, we had some freedom to really decide how to create that. And even that mindset in of itself, that you actually have a choice you can make on how to structure your work environment, your life environment, where you do it, how you do it is even freeing of itself. So we basically said, all right, we know we want to be in multifamily. We know we want to live where we're going to invest. So job growth and population growth and having a business friendly climate are some of the, what most people would say is important in terms of long run returns in multifamily. I mean, there's pockets of wealth in every state in the country, but just over sure. the long term, you want to put, you want to place the bet that's going to have the highest return for you. And so that came down to three places. The, the data was clear. It was three places where over the next 10 years, that was going to have the best returns. It was going to have the least risk. And it was gonna have, it was gonna be a nice place to live. So that was basically the Phoenix metro area, Dallas Metroplex, you know, Dallas Fort Worth, or Central Florida. And having traveled to all those places, we just said, well, Central Florida is gonna be the best for us. We like it. It's great. We love Florida. And a thousand people a day moving there, very friend, business friendly. It has so many, so much upside to it. So we literally picked up and went through the pain of moving here for that reason. And there's a term for this, Tyler. It's what we now call geo-niched investing. And I think the multifamily syndication world kind of breaks down into two groups. One is what some might call geo-niched investing, which is what we do. We'll talk about in a second. And the other group is what might some, some might say wide air investing. So there's pros and cons for both. I'm not saying one over the other is great, or you have to do one, or you got to do both. I'm just saying you can bifurcate the whole syndication world into these two groups and it helps to understand what they are and maybe why they're different and, and the pros and cons. Yeah. So talk to me about that because I do find that to be really interesting. And I would imagine there's obviously pros and cons and you might argue much more pros in terms of being geo niched and really being hyper-focused on a specific market. But first of all, before, before we really go there, thank you for the insight in terms of the background of thinking. All right. Well, where is it that we want to live and invest based on the design of our life that we want, right? Because at the end of the day, I don't know about you, Mike, but multifamily real estate in general is a vehicle towards creating an outcome that mm -hmm. you want in your life. That's what I believe. And mm -hmm. I think that's what most, most other people believe, but sometimes we get lost in that. And sometimes we get so caught up in, in the weeds and the, min the minutia of doing the deals or asset management or building our base or, or, or raising capital or what have you that we forget about the outcome. So I'm really, really glad that you started with, Hey, the design of our life is what we're thinking about first. So now let's go back and talk about geo, geo niching, geo niche, geo, geo niching, niching yes. investing. And why is that important to you guys? Okay. So the way I define the term is a geo niched investor, in this case, a syndicator is going to focus on a singular state and typically a portion of one state. 
So I'll give you an example. My my good friend John Montiero is in Dallas. John just saw him in... last weekend. Great. Oh, guy. Okay. Okay. Phenomenal guy. Phenomenal guy. We both lived in Hawaii at one point. That's a fun fact in our background. So did I. Love it. Okay, great. Well, that's, that's cool. We got to talk about that. So John is a geo niche investor. He has a half a billion dollars under management. The vast majority is in Dallas. Some of it's in Houston, but that guy is ultra niched and he's extremely successful. <laughs> and, and so John would be a good case study of a geo niched investor. Okay. There are other syndicators who are wide area investors. In fact, a very dear friend of mine, Whitney Sewell, we're in a mastermind together. Yeah. We talk every other week. We, I love Whitney to death. He is here. ultra successful as a wide area investor. They are investing in multiple states. So that is, I just want to get clear right up front. You can be ultra successful with both of them. Okay. That, so yeah. let's just, let's just make sure we're clear there. Now let's go back to the geo niche investing. So for us, we knew that the I-4 corridor, which is basically Tampa on the left, on the west, all the way up through Jacksonville and potentially Gainesville in that in that central to north central Florida area was going to be where we wanted to focus. So we're only really focusing on five cities. So it's Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, Gainesville, Tallahassee. Those are the five cities. So for example, last week, we toured seven properties between Orlando and Tampa. There are 13 brokers that control 99% of the deal flow in those five markets. We know them. Great guys. And the inch wide, mile deep analogy is probably the best analogy that I can give you. So instead of underwriting and having to be clear on many, many, many different MSAs, we can be uh, very precise on underwriting. You can develop deeper relationships with property managers. The same, you're seeing these same brokers every day. And mm -hmm. so you just, now it does take time and effort to get it going, but it's like a flywheel. Like once you go, I'll go back to Jim Collins's book, Good to Great, the, the concept of that 5,000 pound flywheel, man, it is so hard to make that first inch revolution, make the half. When you turn it to full time, when that thing gets going, it's hard to slow it down. And that's what we wanted to create here. So what that does is if we're going to take money from people in syndication, I can literally ethically, morally, truthfully tell them, well, guess what? I believe in this market so much. I picked my whole, my whole thing up, my whole tent, and I moved it down here and we are here and we're putting money into this thing too. And we're driving to these places. If there's a problem, we drive to, we don't get an airplane. If there's a situation, I can go tour it. You know, it's a great example. This one, I won't mention the name of the property because in case the broker listens to the show, <laughs> uh, but there was a really, really great property in the Orlando market. Okay. It was a C-class property, workforce housing, lots of upside to it. The Google data and all the data showed good job growth, good business climate. It's far enough away from Disney that it's not kind of in the tumultuous tourism situation. So we believe the rent growth, everything was checking out. Before we submitted the LI, we got in the car, we drove there, we, we toured it, and then we toured the local neighborhood. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety 
for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called The Bottom Line, The 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value-packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. That is where the whole thing fell apart. Because if you don't didn't drive the neighborhood, you wouldn't realize it's really a D neighborhood. Mm. You're, you would not take your daughter or your son there at night. You would not let your wife get out of the car there at night. And so if we had not done that, I would have submitted an LOI on that property and I would have graded that neighborhood a C and I would have told the investors, the people, I'm gonna take their money. I would have said, this is a great deal. 18% return. It's great. It's in this cut. Here's the rent growth. And then something goes south, then what's going to happen. So I just, right. that geo niche investing allows us also to probably spend a little more time on the front end than maybe other guys would. We're, we're not going to submit an offer unless we go tour it or mystery shop it as a tenant, or you know, at least do a drive-by. And the, the, those are some of the other de-risking abilities and factors when you are in the geo niche space, like we are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important to truly know the sub markets to understand the nuances because real estate, I don't know about you, Mike, but it is hyper local. I mean, every <laughs> single, every block and every city and every market is different. I mean, you can look at it on Google Maps and maybe you can get a little bit of a feel for it if you kind of virtually drive it. But man, I tell you what, if you if you're there and you really understand the nuances, it's so much different. But then also understanding the players and understanding mm -hmm. who's really who's really moving the deals and really understanding what makes them tick so that you can influence them so that you can get the deals before everyone else knows about them. So there's just so much value there. But Mike, obviously outside of the, the strategy and thinking about, all right, we're geo niching, we're going a mile deep with an inch wide, right? What else, how else are you raising the bar and really setting yourself apart? Okay. In terms of planning and strategy, we use a tool, Vern Harness created the tool called the One Page Strategic Plan. Gina Wickman in EOS has some similar stuff. I, I love what Gino and, and Vern are doing. If you haven't read the book, The Master and the Rockefeller Habits or Gazelles by Vern, those are two great resources. And so we use this One Page Strategic Planning tool for the business. We've used it for every business that we've owned. The one we sold in 2018, we use it there. And it's just a great way to tie the 30,000 foot view down to the runway level and the day-to-day -day activities. And in that tool in that one page strategic plan, you are required to define several things. One is what's called the sandbox, which is basically where you're going to compete and where you're going to win. What I found was in other industries, the wider the sandbox is, the more cash it's that's required to create the advantage. The smaller the sandbox is, the typically the less resources it takes and the more like the riches are in the niches. That's the copywriting concept that, yeah. uh, that Eugene Schwartz mentioned in scientific advertising. And so 
the the riches are in the niches and in, in fact it's probably easier to raise money from people locally in where you're acquiring the assets and you can say hey we only do florida or you know hey we only do dallas or we only do houston or whatever those are it's just to take that investor from maybe a zero to ten is probably pretty pretty hard with no with no real existing relationship with them. But if you can niche it down where that, that guy or that gal says, you know what, I've never tried this, but if, if it's, if it's that hyper targeted and that hyper local, then maybe it's probably a little less risky for me. So maybe I'll go try it out. Yeah. That really resonates with me. I mean, especially it's something that I've been thinking about very, very deeply is the niching and really thinking about who are we speaking to and who are we really resonating with? Because it's a big world. I mean, we got 7 billion plus people. Who knows? Maybe we're at eight at this point. And so who are we really serving and how are we really delivering results? But the big thing is that I know that you and I, Mike, we really, really share is that we have a desire, obviously, to, to deliver outstanding opportunities and to obviously exceed expectations. But that does come along with big thinking, right? And it comes along with mm-hmm. keeping our finger on the pulse and understanding where things are today and understanding where they might be going. And obviously there's some speculation involved, but where do you think things are going in terms of the multifamily real estate market and maybe even the economy in general? I'd just be curious. That's a great question. I love talking about this. Anytime you are competing in an industry that really lives and dies by financing, which some industries are much more debt driven than others, but multifamily clearly would be one of those. I don't think anybody would argue with that. And as you come to the end, the macroeconomic cycles are typically five to seven year cycles, go all the way back to the civil war since reconstruction. We've been typically in a five to seven year cycle up five to seven years down five to seven years up. Now there are some exceptions to that, but in general, we have a recession every seven years on average. So we are way past that typical cycle. And there's been a significant amount of government intervention as a result of the great pandemic. It's no surprise we're coming up now. Once you add up all the stimulus, it's in the 5 trillion range and 25% of all US currency in circulation was printed in the last 12 months. So there's a tremendous amount of liquidity. And of course, it's almost like a drug. We had talked before we hit record that there's been this trend of really moving away from agency lending into the bridge product. And it's almost like, well, why would you do that? Why, why? Well, you do that when you can't afford it on an agency loan in some cases. And so you have to finance all the rehab. You've got to raise less money, put less equity, drive up the leverage. 80% loan to cost is a lot different than 75% loan to value. And so I think that trend has occurred and it's, and it's accelerating. More bridge lending is occurring. In the, we had submitted an offer on a property in Tampa. They got 42 offers over $27 million. And there were quite a few who came in with bridge debt and we were going to be agency and you just, the returns are, are less. You're talking about an 8% probably difference annual return on an agency product versus a bridge product because you can take on less equity. So that is definitely happening. Now, the question becomes how much more runway is there? I still think the fundamentals in multifamily, there is a scarcity supply demand problem that will persist for at least a decade. So even it, when the tenure of treasury comes up and Jerome Powell and his buddies at the Federal Reserve decide to raise the interest rates as a result of inflation, their the tenure of treasury will come up, interest rates will come up as they have a little bit. And 
cap rates will expand, but it's not going to be linear. I don't think it's not going to be a linear one. If the, if the 10 year treasury raises 150 basis points, I don't see 150 basis point increase in cap rates. It, it Now that's not true for other asset classes like hotels, <laughs> like maybe office, maybe that's, and I'm not an expert in that, so I'm not going to comment on that, but I just know there's so much demand and I see a lot of that institutional money that was in retail, that was in office is now pouring into multifamily. So the demand is actually driven up. Even if we have cap rates that expand hundred basis points, I still think we're pretty safe over the next 10 years, as long as you're in a job, in a market that has good job growth and good population growth. Yeah, no, it's so powerful. And it's such a great really observation. I think the big takeaway is that we need to be understanding all the different levers in the environment, right? And understand where they could possibly go. And when you're underwriting deals, whether you're a passive investor, whether you're an active investor, whether you're a syndicator, a fund manager, what have you, it's understanding, well, what sensitivity do we need to consider, right? Mm-hmm. Where could things go? And let's not get too aggressive, but let's also be precise. Like somebody asked me the other day, they said, how conservative are you in your underwriting? And I said, we're conservative, but we're also precise. We strive to be precise because in this environment, you're not going to get any opportunities if you're too conservative. So there's certainly a balance to strike there. But Mike, this has been an awesome conversation. I'd love to switch gears just a bit and talk a little bit more about mindset because you mentioned it earlier and obviously as you learn from those failures and learning that that scarcity mindset maybe set you up for some of those failures, now you've really taken it you know, full circle and really are pushing the bar in terms of offering opportunities in the multifamily space. You're obviously a huge observer and a participant in the overall economy and what that means for making decisions. But talk to me about what is the role that mindset is playing? Because the reason why I like to ask this, especially after we just talked about the economy, is there's so many wins in all directions. And how are you operating and using your mind to make appropriate decisions? So is there anything that you would point to specifically, Mike? Yeah. So I'm going to go back to a guy named Staff Sergeant Leonard Davis. He was my senior drill instructor when I went through basic training in the Marine Corps. And this guy was from East Point College Park, Atlanta. Now, if you don't know where Atlanta is, that is the war zone, death zone of Atlanta very dangerous. So this guy comes out of the projects, joins the Marine Corps, becomes extremely successful. And so it, fate brought us together. And he was, when I dropped into the platoon at recruit training, Leonard Davis was my, was my senior drone instructor. So this guy would, would riff on this concept of mindset. And he would talk about the fact that when you're cold, wet, hungry, people shooting at you when you haven't eaten in four days and like, woe is me. Woe is me. Like everything's bad. You got to find a way to kind of go back to that deep recess of your mind. There's a, there's a spot back there in your mind somewhere where it's like a little cave. And if you can find to go into that little cave and sort of shut the door on everything else, you can actually get comfortable in that, in that space, in that time, in that location. If that's, uh, if that's germane to the problem that you're having. And I've thought about this for a long time. In fact, I've, I kind of have this mentality, this picture in my head now when stuff isn't going right for me, I will kind of envision myself kind of hiding back in my little cave and the rain doesn't get in there. The, the wind doesn't get in there. You got this little nook of sanity when stuff's going wrong. And we're up ahead of some tumultuous times coming down the pipe. And I know that there's massive transfers of wealth whenever we shift from 
one cycle to the other cycle. If you go back, for example, to the dot-com era, probably the single largest transfer of wealth in America occurred during the dot-com bust when a lot of money from smart people went to a lot of money with not so smart people. And then it, and it all went back again a little bit later. And then it occurred again in the Great Recession. It's going to happen. It's the way the world works. So from a mindset standpoint is I, I actually like the more volatile it is, the, the better it is for me because it just means that there's more opportunities out there. And if you take the mindset that there's enough for everybody and the money's made when the opportunity, when you can spot it. And so then it just becomes a trend setting game or a trend watching game. It just becomes getting educated, staying in front of the curve, talking to people, seeing what they think you share your opinions. And so I, I think mindset is a credibly important component. And for me, I just try to chain train my mind to, recognize that pain is in fact a really good thing uh, obstacles the way we talked about that book ryan holiday and I, I i was talking to my wife the other day there's something that occurred in my life that is just literally gut-wrenching pull my heart out stomp on it and drive a dagger through it it occurred to me i can now look back on that and i am so thankful i am literally thankful that this thing happened to me because had it not happened these three other things that i'm now doing would have never occurred and so that whole mindset of obstacles, it, it sounds so cliche. Very few people do it because they're not willing to confront the reality and then take the action and the work to, to do it. Uh, it's so good. I mean, do you have any practical tips in terms of training your mind for the reality that pain is good and that problems are gifts? I'll tell you what I'm doing. If maybe the listener will get some benefit out of this. So I write down my goals three times three times. So in the morning, I, so every, so by the way, my teeth brushing time, I read my goals in morning when I brush my teeth and night when I brush my teeth, when I work out, go to the gym. The next time you go work out, look around what everybody's doing. Here's what they're doing. They're listening to music on their headset. I'm going to tell you why I don't do that. When I go to the gym, I have my goals printed out. I sit it on the machine I'm working on. And I already know it takes me three minutes and 30 seconds to read my entire goal list one time. So I, one workout is 10 iterations of reading my goals. I'm doing that when I'm working out. Now you imagine in a year, in one year, I probably have, let's call it, I don't know, two, let's call it 200 workouts in a year, roughly. I'm reading those 10 times a piece, 10 times 200. That's 2000 reps on my goals when probably the next guy is getting five, maybe. That's so <laughs> <Two>, good. One. <laughs> and then I, I also like feel the feelings when I'm doing them. So I always associate feelings with each one of them because when we know from Think and Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill that when you can associate a feeling with something, it will move stuff around in your head and in your life and it will ex probably accelerate it. So I, that, so I turn my workout time, it's not education time for me anymore. It used to be, but now it's goal setting time. So in any given week, I'm probably reading these things over a hundred times that means my mind is so now programmed to see scanning the world to see what's happening out there to make these things come to reality. And that is extremely important. My journaling, I do journaling every morning. I write my gratitude journal. And when I write my gratitude journal, I have to list three things I'm thankful for. Then I also rewrite my goals at the end of every entry. So wow. I'm reading them. I'm writing them. <laughs> I'm saying them. And it's, it's been very helpful. I'm probably a year into that 
process and it is really, really helpful for me. Man, that's amazing. And and I would just highly recommend that the listeners re-listen to that entire section right there because you can apply that immediately. And man, I'm getting a lot of tips myself. So I appreciate that. <laughs> and it's funny, I'm looking at my goals right now, but I don't write them down or bring them to the gym with me. So maybe there's an extra level. You know, it's also interesting you mentioned the feeling. I would imagine there's something because you think about the peak state that you get in when you're working out, when you're exercising, when you get your body moving and you can mix that. That's really, really powerful. Are there any other habits that have been really important for you as you've continued to compound your success? I didn't create this term, but I heard it on podcasts. It's called feelingization. Instead of visual, people have heard of visualization. Well, I started using feelingization, which is where you take your goal, you say, well, what feeling can I associate with it? And I'm going to go back to the workout scenario. So at the, towards the end of my aerobic workouts, I'm probably at 165, 100, my resting heart rate's about 42. I'm probably at 170 by the time I'm at the end. So it's like really elevated. I'm sweating, stuff's going on. You know, it's crazy. And I'll get to that point of my goals where I'm going through like the two that really resonate with me. And I will literally, my mind will shut off the, the pain and the discomfort and it will focus on that feeling. And it is like this, almost like this netherworld that's out there behind the curtain. And when you do it enough, you can, it feels, I guess the best way, it's almost like, like if, if somebody shot you up with a big thing of like morphine or, or narcotic, like it just, that's the way it feels. Almost euphoric, and, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, I don't feel like I'm in extreme pain right now. Cause I'm at the end of my 30 minute workout and my workouts are pretty intense. And for, and I'm, I'm focusing on reading this one goal and I'm feeling the feelings. I have this, I have scenes that I've created for all these. Like I visualize the scene, most of them with my wife. And so I'm, I'm going through the scene and hearing what she says to me and what I say and what I feel. And it just take, it's like port, it ports you to a whole nother universe and that kind of, and it all goes back to that, that concept that I learned in the Marine Corps is like finding a way to go back in that little cave somewhere Yeah. when when you're beat up, you're tired, you're frustrated, uh, your day didn't go your way, somebody took something from you, you missed out on this deal, it didn't happen, the financing didn't come through, all that stuff is just like noise. And at the end of the day, when you do that. That is so amazing. And I love where you went with that because where focus goes, energy flows, right? Where the resources of your energy, where your, where your consciousness goes, the opportunities show up, and you're able to take action on that. And that's such a powerful distinction. But Mike, I've really, really enjoyed our conversation today. I'm gonna mention one more. Hold on. Yeah, let me, go ahead. Let me get in one more. There's an app that I now use. It's called Think Up. T-H-I-N-K Up. Think Up. I also recorded all my goals and I play them at night while I sleep on my app. Now it has I'm doing taken, that too. I oh, love you are that. Good. Yes. Now it has taken a little bit for Trisha, my wife, to get used to that. And she calls it chanting. She jokes with me. Oh, do we have to listen to chanting again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> so I play awesome. low enough. The, the both speakers on my side of the bed, not on hers. So I play low enough for, you know, I, I hear it. But that even, so now you're doing it while you sleep. And by the way, the door to the subconscious mind is lowered, you know, is open when you're sleeping. So yep. now... I'm getting when I'm sleeping, I get it when I work out, I get it when I brush my teeth, I get it when I journal. And it's just this, it's just this massive, massive reinforcement that comes in here. No, it's so good. And it's funny because I had this, you know, very similar conversation with John Azraf on Elevate. And I asked him, 
what would he tell his younger self about the subconscious mind? And of course, he gave us a great mind blowing answer. But beyond that, it was about speaking to your own subconscious mind and affirmations and using your own voice and recording your own goals, your own vision, your own affirmations and listening back to that. And also, you're taking it a step further and thinking about, all right, well, I'm about to go to bed. So my brain waves are lowering, right? So now I can really tap in and I can really leverage the sub subconscious mind, this powerful force that 95% of our brain is our subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And when you really leverage this piece, it's amazing what you can do. And I just think that this is so practical. It's really so easy. Like most of the people who are listening right now, we're using beta brainwaves, but we're using our conscious mind. Now we can take this and put it into our subconscious and really let the heavy lifting be done. So, so powerful, Mike, my friend. I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. This conversation is rare. It's uncommon. It's about creating uncommon results. It's about designing your life through real estate, through mindset and through everything that we've talked about today. But Mike, I know you're a big reader like me. I'd love to know what are two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years and why? That's a great one. So I'm in the middle of Atomic Habits now, and it, I've read a lot of mindset stuff. It's really the science behind how we create behaviors. And so I'm learning just, for example, one place, one activity. So that's been helpful. So like you shouldn't really be in your bed with your computer. Don't check an email. Like that's not something that you should probably be doing because your bed's for sleeping. So also then how do we create these cues and these habits so that I don't have to work so doggone hard with my own willpower because Ben Hardy wrote a book called Willpower Doesn't Doesn't Work. And so so that's that's been very impactful for me. I'm trying to implement it. Um, every book, I try to find something out of it and implement. Tools of Titans, I'm almost done with it by Tim Ferriss. There's probably 100 different things out of that book that I've gotten. But a few of them was the journaling. The gratitude journaling came out of that. That's now, I've been doing it now for you know a while. And I think that's now a habit. I feel kind of naked when I don't do it. And there's times maybe I'm traveling or something, I don't do it. And I feel kind of like, oh man, that's a big part of my life now. I skip. Told the Titans by Tim Ferriss was one. I, I mentioned The Go-Giver by Bob Berg, and I, I won't go too deep back into it, but I've also learned the benefit of rereading the same book that you've read before. I, my sense is we probably pick up maybe 15% of the nuggets the first time around. And when you do it a second or a third time, there's just something in there that is able to make a lot more sense and draw more connections and the snapsies fire a lot better not a lot of people want to do it a second time. And I'm a very kinesthetic reader. I don't like to listen to books. I have to read them because I write Same notes here. on them. So that's just, it's not necessarily a book in of itself, but it's just saying, maybe you go to your book, your bookshelf today and you say, okay, of the hundred that are on there, like what are the two that are life-changing? And maybe you mm -hmm. go read them again. Like Vern Harnish's book, Scaling Up. Like I've read that thing four times. Like it's that good where it just is so meaty. It's so meaty that I had to read it a couple of times. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why I love asking that question is because I can understand your distinctions from certain books that maybe you and I both have read, but I get new distinctions from what you had compressed from your 15%. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you said, I, I get that sense too. When I read, read a book, I'm like, I don't even remember reading this. It's unbelievable, <laughs> but that's awesome. I'll put links in the show notes of those books and thank you for, for giving us that gift. But Mike, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis outside of what we've already talked about today? It, this is a great one. 
I am involved in a daily devotion and daily prayer time. As I mentioned to you before we started, I think my wife and I are, are devout Christians. Our prayer life and our meditation time is very important. And we've also gotten into fasting. So we're now on a monthly routine, first couple of days of every month. So for first full week of, of this month is next week. So that's when it's going to occur for us. But just the fasting and the praying and being mindful is just really been so helpful for us because not only from a marriage standpoint, a personal relationship, I mean, the business is stuff is good, but at the end of the day, the foundation of it behind that, if you've got a cracked foundation, i.e. your marriage and your personal life, it just makes all the results so much harder in the business realm. And so that's been something that we've really done. I'll put effort and time into and trying, we're not masters at it yet, but we're getting there and it's made a big impact on our marriage and our personal relationships. That, that means a lot to me. And, and it really stands out because I think that's really the essence of Elevate and really elevating your life and elevating your mindset and elevating your relationships and, and how that all really feeds into not only obviously enjoyment within relationships and enjoyment personally, but also success in business and abundance in your finances and all of these things. That's why I think it's so important. And, and I know it's why you and I agree. And, and we really love the personal growth aspects because it almost supports everything so much more. And yeah. so I just find so much value in that. And Mike, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Oh man, that's a, that's a good one. Well, <clears throat> we have a social impact calls that is entitled buy an apartment, house a vet. <clears throat> So I'll tell you really quickly how it works is that we donate money to help end veteran homelessness. So just the stats are kind of mind boggling, roughly 35,000 veterans homeless. These are guys that are digging out of trash cans, living under bridges. They, they don't go to the shelter for whatever reason. And so we're really trying to make an impact there. Obviously we're involved with, with our church and the giving there and trying to put our best foot forward in that area. So I, I think, and I'll go back to something we said at the top of the show you actually can't give it away fast enough because it actually comes back to you in multiple fold. And then you're then confronted with giving it more away again. And it's this virtuous cycle that actually grows and grows and grows. And like the diameter of this thing gets like bigger over time. So once you start experimenting with it, in fact, there's, there's one part I just mentioned very quickly in the Bible. There's one in the new, in the old Testament, God says, you know, don't test me, but there's one point where actually in scripture, it says, this is the one time you can test me. And it is around the concept of tithing. And it's very clear in this part of the Bible where it says, test me, tithe your off first for your, the first for your offering. And then it will be such that people will look at you and wonder, where is all this money coming from? Where's all this wealth coming from? And so we tested that philosophy, found out it's true. Wow. You, give, you give money away, you donate it, you, it just comes back to you so quickly. Now, that's not the reason why you do it, obviously. Sure. But it's a fact that if you ever wonder why these billionaires, when they go set up these foundations, what actually happens is they get more wealthy, the more money they give away. It's, yeah. this, it's this crazy paradigm of a virtuous cycle. And so we can do that at any point, whether we got a hundred bucks, we got a hundred million dollars, we can do that now. So I just think I'll just end here with the comment of it almost doesn't matter how you do it. It just matters that you actually figure something out that's meaningful to you and participate in some meaningful way. Yes, financially is great, but if you don't have the, the finances, then donate your time and talents and your time is good. Mike, what an incredible distinction. And man, that, that's really inspiring. And it reminds me of the, the law of circulation 
you know, if you think about the universe, like our, our planet spins on an axis, it also circulates the sun and all of these other things that are happening in our universe. And you think of a river, I mean, you think of the water flowing through the river and how pure that can be. And if you look at a pond and it's stagnant and it's got flies all over it and it's nasty and it's toxic, <laughs> but if you circulate what you've been blessed with, it comes back to you in avalanches of abundance that you could have never experienced or expected. And it's not because of that. It's not because of that, but it's amazing. It is amazing. And you have really challenged me to step up to the plate. You've really challenged Elevate Nation to step up to the plate in such a bigger way and to give and to really give not only resources, but also energy, time, presence. And I just appreciate you so much, Mike. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share with Elevate Nation today? And I would just say that, first of all, continuing to listen to great shows like this, the more you beat this stuff in your subconscious mind, the more it changes you from the inside out. In fact, that's how change actually has to occur. It has to occur from the inside out. And uh, so I'm just thankful for you, Tyler. First of all, bring him on the show, talking about this. I could, I mean, I could talk about this for 10 hours and I get tired of it. So you have been providing a great outlet for people like me and other guests to come on here and share this stuff and, and create more value for people. And I'm just so thankful that you put the effort and the time forward to build this platform and let me come on. I really appreciate you. You bet, my friend. Well, this is going to be the second of many, many conversations together. I can't wait to continue to strengthen our friendship. But I want to give you the opportunity to share with Elevate Nation how they can learn more about you and what you do. Yeah, that'd be great. Probably the easiest way is to roll over to our site, which is flmultifamilygroup.com. That stands for floridamultifamilygroup.com. flmultifamilygroup.com. We're rolling out a new site by the time this show airs. It'll be live there. And uh, the listener can pick up if, if they're, let's say they're an experienced GP or LP, but they don't yet have anything in Florida, then we've got a resource that'll really, I think, make a difference for them. It's the Florida Multifamily Investor Kit. And basically it's a kit we ship to them. We ship it to their doorstep. It's got a bunch of stuff in there on Florida Multifamily. It's got a story-driven book that I wrote that's an, written as a novel, not as a textbook. So it's interesting and compelling. It's got a shirt. It's got a bunch of stuff in there. And uh, we pay for the kit. All they do is take care of shipping so they can go grab that over at the website. It'll be right there on the homepage, floridamultifamilygroup.com. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes there, flmultifamilygroup.com. And of course, where you can find Mike on social media and his team. And of course, you'll be able to find his podcast as well. And it's an amazing podcast. And yours truly was blessing grateful to be a guest as well yes, recently. Yes, so you with all that said, Mike, I just really thank you again for being on the show, my friend. Thank you so much, Tyler. Really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I encourage you to re-listen to this show with Dr. Mike Lawrence. What an amazing person. What an amazing multifamily real estate investor and thoughtful individual. I mean, my goodness, you can tell that this person really invests in himself and he really, really dives deep into what's going to take it to the next level, not only for himself, not only for his family, not only for his lifestyle, but for so many other people. And what an inspiration that he is for all of us. I want to encourage you to re-listen to the show. I want to encourage you to identify what are your top three takeaways. That's really all you need. At the end of the day, it's three takeaways that you can apply immediately. And who is it that would really benefit from understanding this discussion and really getting exposed to the mind expansion that we really talked about today, whether they're an investor, whether they're interested in, in getting in real estate as far as an investor, or really looking to expand their mind because there's so much here. I want to encourage you to take massive action on what you learned today. And until next time, Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. 
Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.